Welcome to Nobody Told Me That, your source for candid business talk and stories. Your host is speaker and author Teresa Duncan. Sit back, buckle up, and hang on. Today I'd like to talk to you about the financial pressures felt by the owner, by the dentist, and specifically the dentist as the owner. Uh, What's come up a lot in classes and conversations is that there is this increased feeling of pressure amongst dentists, uh, especially the solo dentists, the ones who have maybe one or two locations and they're looking to grow or perhaps they're reaching um, the age where they really need to be looking at either an associateship or preparing their practice for a sale. Um, that's not to say that younger dentists can't have financial pressures. Um, it's just that most of the time we hear it from, or I hear it from the, uh, a little bit older, uh, generation of dentists. I do hear it from the young dentists though. Don't, don't get me wrong. They have the whole student debt that they have to pay off. And then they're, they're always starting young families, which is great. And that in itself takes a whole different, um, level of financial spending. And so that is one, um, that's one particular aspect, but, but what I'd like to focus on today is more of the, um, more of the, the dentists who have been in it for a couple years. Now, my message to the younger dentists listening is that the this whole episode is going to be one big, nobody told me that, um, and hopefully you can prepare yourself um, for any of the, the situations that I'm going to talk about today. Uh, if you are a, a more veteran dentist and you find yourself actually, uh, this is ticking a lot of buttons or ticking a lot of boxes for you, uh, I, I am going to give you some steps at the bottom on how you can best prepare. I'm not going to say that that can fix everything, but you could certainly prepare for what's coming um, down the pike. Now, is practice ownership on a decline? That's that's one thing I hear all the time um, when I'm giving my course uh, on industry trends and buckle up insurance changes are coming. That industry t- trends course is given, uh, co-presented with Kevin, who's my, my uh, very frequent co-host on here. And uh, he's got a lot of statistics on that. But together, um, and oh, I'm sorry. And then also in my buckle up, course, I talk a lot about the workforce and, and how we have more um, dentists per population than, we us- than we've had before. Now, I'm not saying that we're flooded with dentists. We're not. Um, there are just some states where uh, if it's typically one dentist, um, or I'm sorry, three dentists per 10,000 people, um, you will see some states are triple that, sometimes um, quadruple that. And then some states, of course, are just at that number. So um, the ADA does state that. And, and we need to, you always should be aware of how many dentists are in your area, not just anecdotally by who shows up at the um, at the, the dental society meeting, but who, you know, who is advertising in your area and do a Google search and all of that. So is practice ownership on a decline? Well, the ADA um, just recently, and I'll link it in the show notes, just recently had a really good webinar on um, on this this topic. And, and this, well, this topic was part of it. And it was basically an overall, you know, what's coming up. And, and you know, there were statistics on the fact that practice ownership isn't on a decline and more, you know, more people are choosing to not necessarily open their own practice. And, and that's, I think that's great on a national level and good to understand the trends. However, if you're on a local level, you may want to check in because, um, and we're all on a local level. What I mean is in your, if you're in an area where you suspect this is 
not the case. You're going to want to check in with people around you or the dental society and find out if that's true for your area. So I'll just um, give you a heads up. I was talking with a a good friend of mine, uh, Malika, who is uh, a consultant here in the DC area. And, you know, national trend is practice ownerships on a decline. But here, um, there's people are still opening practices left and right. And there's still a ton of solo dentists who are wanting to be in it for themselves. Um, when I talk to, uh, people in my, in my insurance classes and management classes, you know, yes, I get a lot of people who work for corporations or are getting ready to sell for corporations, but the vast majority of them are still solo practicing dentists and, or, you know, solo ownership dentists. And so I, I know the, the current news and the, the current feeling is that the solo dentist is, is like an endangered species, but I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think there's always going to be a place for them in our industry. Now, without a doubt, is group and corporates and DSOs, are they gaining ground? Yes, of course. Um, but there's also a lot of factors in that as well. I'm not going to go into that now, but you know, I, and, and I know a few other industry experts, we're watching this and yes, we think there's a lot of growth for this, but there's also this DSO bubble that people keep talking about where venture capitalists and the investment groups are going to realize that they're not getting their ROI. Um, and if that happens, then, then we're, you know, solo dentists are positioned again very well. Um, and we can talk about that in a different podcast because uh, the DSO bubble is not a, a certain thing. It is very much uncertain. And that's, that's what investing money is all about is taking on a good risk. And, and yes, we'll talk about the DSO bubble um, in another podcast for sure. Now, let's talk about the fact that dentists are feeling that they have to extend their working years. And, and so uh, you, you probably know a, a bunch of dentists who, you know, maybe your own dentist is like this. They planned on retiring at 60, 60 years old, 65. They planned on bringing in an associate and things were going to go as planned. They had plan A, plan B, plan C. Um, and now they're realizing, wait a second, my retirement money did not come through. It did not increase the way it should have. The last two associates I brought in, you know, one was a drug addict, one didn't work out, another one the the team hated, and who knows, you know. So you, the associate situation did not work out. And now the dentist is thinking, wait a second, I, I can't retire. I, I can't slow down. What is going on here? And, and that is a, a big financial pressure, a big financial pressure that, that a dentist can bear. And because with that comes a lot of other factors, a lot of other dependencies. And I'll talk about that in a second. But just the fact, just the emotional impact of having to extend your working years when you did not plan to, that by itself is a very big, um, very big pressure that's going to have you laying in bed at night, really just with your eyes open going, what the heck, now what am I supposed to do? Um, It's a very, very scary scenario, not just for dentists, but for anyone who is in that age range where they really need to have some money set aside for the retirement years. 
It's also frustrating to uh, continue leading a team and associates. So the financial pressure is that you have to be a good performer, a good leader to have a high functioning team. But what happens when A, you're not a natural born leader? There's no shame in that. There, I, I think the shame is when you think you're a natural born leader and you continue to do wacky things that affect your practice. Um, when you are not a natural born leader, I think it's admirable when you go to seek help for that, um, whether or not it's a consultant, whether or not it's taking self-empowerment courses. Um, and remember, I'm not consulting. So if this is something that you need help with, I'm more than happy to give you names to people that I know are very, very good at this. But the fact is, reaching a new level of performance and self-awareness in an office oftentimes is not reached by yourself. Oftentimes you need someone to push you to that next level. And that's why you have people out there that know how to do this. And, and there, there is no shame in seeking help in that. Um, you don't even have to say you're hiring a consultant. You can call it a business coach. Um, and that's exactly what it is. It is a business coach. Um, there's frustration around leading your team um, constantly. A and managers know this. Managers have, have known this for a long time. It's just that our drivers are very different and we're able to handle it a little bit better. You know, dentists want to do the dentistry. They, they want to get in there. They want to carve that perfect restoration. I get it. I want to submit the perfect insurance claim. So we have different drivers. Um, but the role of the solo dentist often defaults, it comes with a default role of being the office leader and being the office figurehead, um, the one who is leading the the mood, the, the actions of the team sets the tone. And quite frankly, some dentists are thinking, why? I didn't sign up for that. I just want to do some dentistry. What do you mean? Now I've got to lead this team. Am I supposed to rah-rah? Am I supposed to cheerlead? What am I supposed to do here? Um, and, and so there is a frustration at that level that they have to keep this going. Um, the nobody told me that part of that is there are the best way to avoid that is to hire a good partner in your practice and partner meaning a good office manager, a, a good administrator who is also who is very good at motivating and leading the team and make that person your point uh, contact when it comes to team dynamics. So uh, really successful dentists have figured this out already in that the, the human resources and the team dynamics are hands down your most frustrating part of the job. It's the people. It's always going to be the people that drive you crazy. Um, and you always think it's going to be patients that drive you crazy, but it's not for the most part, unless you have a super duper special team out there. And, and if you do, fantastic, don't fire anyone. But I'll, I'll venture to say that the majority of you have worked with real dogs of teams or are in a team that could use some help. That's the norm. That's not the exception. That is the norm across the industry that the teams are not high performing. Uh, the teams are not knitting together. I think that's human nature, but honestly, I, I see more of that than I do people coming up to me and saying, okay, what do you think about this situation? But you know, it's really tiny because we have such a great team. I don't hear that a lot. I hear a lot of dysfunction. And, and so if you're in that situation, say you're a team member now listening to this, the frustration at being the quote unquote mom or dad of that is very hard to deal with. So you're working all day long, picture it from the dentist point of view, you're working all day long and here's this drama that just 
in in the in the owner's eyes, number one is unnecessary. Number two is usually not as big as the people that are in the drama are are perceiving it to be. You know, all drama is bigger when you're at the center of it. And and number three, they have a ton of stuff to do that is much more important than some of the petty stuff that comes up. Now, what happens a lot that we see is that the petty stuff comes up and it's ignored enough that all of a sudden it's super major and we have to take care of it. So the poor doctor has to head all this off at the pass and do that without turnover. The financial pressure here is number one, did I hire somebody that's pretty much just taking a paycheck uh, and not giving me ROI? So you worry about the financial pressure involved with that. And then the second financial pressure is, oh gosh, you mean I have to go back and hire again? Now I have to go and place an ad. We all know how expensive turnover is. Nobody wants to go into that. So that pressure can be, that pressure can be considerable. You know, all of this really, really combines, um, it combines that feeling and, and it leads to incredible financial and emotional pressure. So not just financial pressure, but emotional pressure. And, and let's, let's talk a little bit more about this. So, um, as an owner doctor and somebody who is a business owner, um, I was self-employed for a little bit, had, had, um, had employees for a little bit, still have employees. Um, but when I was a manager for my doctor for 20 plus years, um, you know, we were responsible really for the livelihood of a whole bunch of people that we employed. Um, there is a, a true team dependence, um, or individual dependence on, from the team on money. And, and let's, let's be real here. Many of the people who work in dental offices, if they are not married, if they do not have a second source of income, um, if they do not have independent or, or have some sort of, uh, healthcare plan provided to them, most people are not rolling in it. They're just not. Everybody has dependents. Everybody has uh, car, car loans to pay off and rent and mortgage and all of that. When I was managing, I found almost always the case was that the employees that we had were one or two paychecks away from not being able to pay their bills, whether it's because they didn't handle their money well, or whether it's because they just, you know, cost of living was too high for them, whatever that is, that's not my place to judge. But I knew this of them, that they were really a few paychecks short of having some serious struggles. Now, when you are a doctor and an owner, as a manager, I felt this pressure. So I can't imagine what it's like as an owner. As a manager, what you're feeling, or I'm sorry, as a doctor, what you're feeling is, you know, if my schedule is not full, then I may not be able to make payroll. I may not be able to give the raises that I want to. I know Susie could be making more money. I want to pay her more money. It's just that the production isn't there. Um, if you miss goals for the year, then you know Susie is going to have some trouble because she was counting on a raise. And you may end up losing her because she may have to find a better paying job. So, and then the circular argument is, well, if they, if the team performed more, then there would be more um, revenue, there would be more profitability for the practice. But, but you can't go full circle when you're talking about an emotional response. All you're thinking about really is the fact that uh, Susie is going to either be looking for another job or she, it's going to be even tougher on her. And that's, that's a feeling as an owner that you feel bad. You do, you feel bad that you're not performing as much 
to give that trickle down to your team. And so that's, that's a real pressure. That's a real emotional pressure. Let's talk even further. Let's talk about, um, more of an emotional response. And that's your family being dependent on you. So any owner doctor is also self employed. Um, And so just to to bring in insurance slightly, the Affordable Care Act, you know, pretty much forced them to uh, select plans that may or may not be cost effective for the office. Uh, A lot of people are paying very high premiums for the ACA If, if they're small, they don't qualify for the large group rate. Um, and so there's the ACA impact on, on the family. Um, and then also don't even talk, I'm not even talking about the employees, but the fact that many dentists are now paying thousands a month for health insurance for their families, whereas before it wasn't quite that way. Um, I, I would love, love to see some sort of reform on this, um, being led by the, the state's um, AGDs or the ADA, um, the dental associations, because there has to be a way for there to be some sort of um, plan to ensure dentists, um, business owners, uh, there's enough of us out there in the risk pool that that this shouldn't be as difficult as it's been. Um, but that again is another topic. So when you're an owner dentist aging a little bit, you have a whole bunch of stuff coming up, life events coming up that cause a bunch of emotional issues. Um, you know, you stress you out emotionally. And of course, now they might stress you out financially. I'm talking weddings. I'm talking graduations. Um, your children may be at the age where they're, they're graduating. There's the graduation party. Forget the graduation party. Now you got to think about what they're going to do. Um, uh, maybe they're coming home to depend on you. Maybe they're going to live with you for a little bit. Maybe they're planning on pursuing postgraduate degrees and, you know, they're, they're looking at you, mom and dad, you know, how, how can you help us with this? Um, they may be looking to get married and you've got, you know, wedding, weddings are not cheap. Uh, although the trend nowadays, if you go on Instagram and check out weddings, some of the wedding hashtags, um, it's pretty interesting because there's a lot of people doing creative stuff, um, and bringing the price of weddings down. But, uh, for the most part, when you are uh, very well known in the community, it's really hard for you to have a wedding that doesn't have a ton of your guests and friends um, out there. So, you know, big weddings are sort of the thing when you have a dentist um, who's well known in the community and, and the, uh, you know, the, the of course, the, the daughter or the son is going to have a lot of people they want to bring to the wedding. Oh, weddings. <laughs> okay, so let's go on to divorces. Well, the unfortunate part of getting older um, is that a lot of people realize that they are not with the person they want to be with for the rest of their life. Um, divorce is a, 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 it's a true statistic across the country. I mean, you definitely see that there are, are plenty of divorces out there. So this is a real situation that a lot of dentists, when they get to a certain age where they should be putting away some good money for retirement are now looking at perhaps splitting all of that with a spouse and realizing that their half isn't going to cut it the way they thought it was going to. And so that creates an enormous amount of emotional instability, um, financial instability. So hopefully um, that is not an issue with many of you listening. But if it is, just know it's not abnormal. It's, It's not, unfortunately. That is a very, very common financial stressor, uh, CPAs will tell you, you know, they, they have to deal with figuring out the books for the sale of the practice and then always figuring out the books and keeping it assessed for the inevitable, um, in, in some cases, inevitable divorce that's coming. So 
let's think of it in a different light. Let's think that everything's happy and you're getting ready to get to the point of your life where you can slow down and you can retire. Well, the emotional pressures around that, first of all, emotionally, you have to accept the fact that you're old enough now to retire. Sometimes that doesn't sit really well. Um, but the, just the numbers that go around retirement, it's, it's so exorbitant now. People, you know, recommend CPAs, financial advisors recommend long-term care insurance. Um, you've got to get your wills in order. You may be redoing your will every, um, little bit as your, um, as your, uh, financial situation changes. So you have to take that into account. Yeah, there's a lot of things that, that go along with this. Now, so I gave you a lot of, of pretty heavy information and um, reasons why financial pressure can really just be a doozy for some people. Um, but you know, the goal of this podcast is not to tell you what's coming down the pike and, oh, you better just, you know, buckle up and take it. Um, my goal is to help you of not necessarily avoid it. You can't avoid a lot of what I talked about, but at least you'll know what's, what you can do and take some precautionary steps. And so let's get into the, nobody, nobody told me that part of the podcast. Well, I've got a couple steps here for you and I'm going to have them listed out in the show notes so that if you need the, the cliff notes of the um, steps, then, then you can certainly get that there. That's, that's not an issue. I, I do want you um, to, to use this podcast um, as a regular reminder of how you need to plan ahead of time. You know, I'd love it if you downloaded it and bookmarked it and kept it someplace and maybe listen to it once or twice a year, because some of the stuff I talked about, you probably just kind of tuned out because that's not your situation. But you know, in two or three years, it might be your situation. So uh, I, I think this is one of those, the podcasts that I'm going to do that I would love for you to just bookmark and come back to on a regular basis and, and see if any of the advice can apply to you. Okay. So first and foremost, and this is something that you should be doing. I still hear a lot of dentists that try to do this on their own. And, and I, first thing I do is I tell them, stop, you're being delusional. I say it in a nicer way, of course, but quite frankly, they're being delusional going forward and thinking that they can make these financial decisions without a financial advisor or a CPA. Now, I would love for you to consider using a dental CPA. And if you go to the Academy of Dental CPAs, there is a website and I'll put it in the show notes. If you go to their site, there are CP dental CPAs in your state. I think almost every state is represented. Every region's represented. Um, a regular CPA is fine too. However, the other CPA, uh, the ones who have multi, um, multi industries, they're not necessarily checking out the benchmarks in dentistry and they're not necessarily keeping ahead um, and keeping up on some of the possible tax breaks that could come and be adapted for dentistry. So that's why I really like getting a dental CPA because they know the business inside out. They have other dental um, clients and, and they know what the different needs are. They can see what's going on in your particular region pretty quickly. Um, it's interesting to me and it's interesting to them, but it's what really you need to know is how quickly they can spot a trend and prepare you tax-wise for it. So it's not just a couple hundred dollars that you save when you have a good CPA. It's thousands of dollars that you save when you have a good CPA. I can't stress that enough to invest in having a financial advisory partner, whether it's an, it's an actual financial advisor or if it's a dental CPA, a company who is really immersed in the dental industry. That's what you need. If you've ever heard me speak or you've ever listened to more of my podcasts, you know that I want 
you to treat your company as a true business and look at how other businesses make these decisions, you would never have, um, you know, Best Buy. You would never have Best Buy work with an accounting firm that was not knowledgeable on retail trends. They wouldn't hire a healthcare CPA. That This is, I guess, the, the best analogy that I can come up with. I, I You really need to have somebody who knows your industry inside out. So that's the first, uh, the first item that I can give you. I think actually that makes a serious impact quick impact, immediate impact, because they're going to take a look at your numbers and give you an overall um, idea of where you stand. And you know, tax season is coming up. So this is not a bad time to reach out and get in touch with somebody. All right. Uh, Second piece of advice that I can give you is to invest in education, invest in it, Um, invest in your team's education, invest in more CE for yourself. And I'm not talking the same old, same old. What I mean when I say for you to invest in education is to see if you can change up your service mix. You may want to take more business classes because you may want to be, you may want to prepare it for a sale. You may think that you're ready for a sale. um, And if you take a business class and they tell you all these benchmarks and you're thinking, oh, geez, I'm not even near there. That's going to save you the agony of going through a broker and finding out your practice isn't in a very good position anyways. So there's a lot that you can do to prepare yourself for that. Um, Education is the best way to go. I'd also like to have you consider taking non-dental CE. And what I mean by that is there are um, lots of leadership courses out there. Um, self-improvement gets kind of a bad uh, bad rap because people think it's kind of hokey, but you know, self-improvement is exactly what it is. Um, the trick with self-improvement classes is you have to find somebody with whom you resonate. Um, just taking a self-improvement class by, you know, Joe Schmo doesn't make a difference. Uh, go to their site, look up their um, articles, listen to their podcasts, see if you can listen to them. You know, does their voice drive you crazy? Do the values that they are talking about do they resonate with you? And and that is uh, very, very important when you have a, a coach to help you. Now, what I'm talking about with education is um, you may want to take some courses on your own, or you may want to invest in a life coach. Now, life coach sounds so new age, right? Doesn't it? It sounds very like, you know, there, it comes with, with stones and healing oils and all that kind of stuff, but that's not the case anymore. Life coaches are out there. Um, many of them are business minded, which is I would love for you to find a life coach who can not only help you with emotional decisions and the emotional aspect of running a practice, but also with the financial aspect. They may not be able to do it all, but what they can do is say, you know what, you're in over your head with this situation. We need to call in an expert. A lot of times solo dentists feel or miss the cues on when to call in an expert because they don't know when they should. And so it's really nice to have a life coach or a business coach do that for you. Um, and, and honestly, you know, part of growth, part of growth is, is learning that something new is needed. Um, many times we're doing the same thing over and over again, and, and we're looking at the numbers and we're thinking, you know, I don't know, it's not performing the same way. We've kind of reached a plateau. Somebody, there needs to be a little voice in your head, and hopefully it's in there now. There needs to be a little voice in your head that says, you know what, everything we're doing, it's the same. We need to change things up a bit. Change is needed. If you had a voice that told you accurately, change is needed, you'd be a superstar. You'd be a great business leader. But unfortunately, this is not a voice that comes hardwired into our genetics. Um, so hopefully, uh, 
you will learn to develop that where you think to yourself, you know, I I don't want to tackle this. I don't know how to tackle this. And instead of being that that person who um you know, has to master it and you spend hours and hours researching it and spending time could have been saved by reaching out and asking for help. And, And again, that is part of growth. Personal growth is knowing that it's okay to reach out and then taking that first step. There's nothing wrong with it. I also would love for you, and this is a nobody told you that, that I think should be a constant piece of my podcast, is that you need to recommit to what's important to you, whether that's family, whether that's a, a a service or, or maybe a volunteer effort that you are, that's very important to you. Maybe it's not even dentistry. Maybe it's a side job that you have loved. I've met plenty of dentists who have um, a hobby that turned into something that they really wanted to make happen full time. Um, you know, my friend and I, Tony, uh, Dr. Tony Stefanu, um, we teach a course called Beyond the Operatory and it it's helps dentists and industry um, people, dental team members as well find out what's out there for them if they do want to leave the operatory. And many of the dentists that come to us are either working on a patent on the side, or they would they saw a part of dentistry that they don't want to practice in, but they want to see if it's profitable, you know, maybe R&D, maybe being in a corporate position. Um, who knows what it is? So recommitting to the things that make you happy, it sounds like a very simple step. And it sounds very f- fluffy and woo-woo. But when you're grinding away day after day, it's very easy to lose sight of what actually you're grinding away for. Take it from me, overworked workaholic and everybody else that's listening to this. Um, Honestly, this is so easy. This happens so quickly, so easily and silently. You don't even realize how much of a workaholic you are until you start to see it affect things around you. And so I would love for you to take a look at your family and say to yourself, you know, I was going to work late that night or I was going to work on that at home. How about I just shut this laptop, lay on the couch, let my kids lay on top of me, take that dog for the walk that they, they love to go on something different. Just do something different and recommit yourself to being unencumbered by dentistry for a few hours. Just unencumbered by dentistry. That is because it's a huge pressure. We know it is. We're talking about it. So I would love for you also to learn how to delegate. And we talked about making sure that you knew where you could uh, send out for different service providers and all of that, but also in your team, perhaps, and and, and this is a very specific um, subset of listeners here, but you may have a situation where you're, you have an office manager and, and he or she is doing a great job, but you're kind of not, they don't have control of everything. And when I say control, I mean responsibility. They don't have the responsibility for everything. Perhaps you've held off on giving them access to your QuickBooks because you didn't want to let that go. Perhaps you have uh, not given them the ability to do the hiring and the firing, you know, doing the interview because you wanted to be involved in all of that. Those are two very easily delegatable um, tasks that can that can really relieve a lot of burden on you. Um, if you're going to send your office manager to a, Quick, a QuickBooks class or, or, you know, whatever your software is, send them to a class, get them to learn it, and then let them have a shot at doing your books and, and taking a look at your um, reports and, and doing payroll and all of that. Um, this is actually the one of the first things that we teach um, dentists to do when they're ready to let go a little bit, because this is the stuff that number one drives you crazy 
crazy. And number two, doesn't necessarily come easy to you. Nobody loves to sit around and do QuickBooks except for numbers-minded people. Numbers-minded people are not scientists. Scientists are dentists. So you know what I mean? Or, or dentists are scientists. So uh, there's a disconnect there, but as a business owner, you feel responsibility to do that. Um, Susan Gunn has a, a bunch of wonderful books on QuickBooks. In fact, she writes more quick dental QuickBooks books than anybody else out there. And she's, I believe, has an online course that you could send um, send your, your manager to so that they know what they're doing. And then of course, invest in a couple hours where you sit down and teach them how you want to do it. Now, I talked about QuickBooks, but what about the hiring and firing process? You know, send your manager to a human resources course, maybe not even a dental human resources course, but just basically any human resources course because hiring and firing and personality types, all of that is is across all industries. And so if you could invest in your manager to learn that aspect of the business, that's another thing off your plate. When when you meet the person is when they are already vetted, they've uh, they've passed the first level, which is the phone call, and they're coming in for the interview. Uh, your manager is going to interview them. You're just going to pop in and say hi. That's it. That's the extent of it because hopefully you and your manager are in sync enough where she or he can handle that part of the job. So human resources and bookkeeping are the first two things to let go of. Um, Delegation is necessary in all good leaders, not just dental leaders, in all good leaders. The, The hallmark of a good leader is having a very strong team that knows their responsibilities and performs up to very high standards on them. Delegating is the last one. Now let's talk about um, your recognition skills of the industry. So the, 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 the fifth, we've gone to five already. The fifth, uh, nobody told me that part of the podcast is that you have to stay awake and looking around your industry so that you can see stuff that is coming. Um, Listening to this podcast is a good first step. My newsletter is a good second step. Um, Keeping up on other podcasts and keeping up on local dental society meetings so you can hear what's coming. Um, The ADA's Health Policy Institute has a wonderful amount of information that helps you make really good decisions. Um, So you, you you should be aware of changes in your industry, but also changes in your practice. So part of being a really good leader and is to take a look at what are your team dynamics and and how are they shaping up Um, in the back of any owner dentist mind is the fear of having to find a new person, the fear of the ter- the cost of turnover. There's that financial pressure I was talking about. So keep an eye on what's going on in your practice and, and as a good leader, nip any of that stuff in the bud, um, any of the drama, uh, and, and, and keep your overhead down when it comes to that. But now recognizing the changes in the industry is something different and is, is really worthy of another podcast. But there is uh, an operation that you can do um, and an exercise that you can do called the SWOT analysis. And, and it stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And I will include in the show notes a picture of um, one that that we did for an office, an aging office. And, and one thing that was very interesting with this one was one of the strengths was the team. 
And, and that is because they were long-term team. They knew what they were doing. Patients love them, blah, 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 all of that, the good stuff. The weakness of the, the practice, however, was the same thing, which was the team. And the weakness was financial. And what I meant, what I mean by that is that they were all there for a long time. So their salaries were higher than usual. What the owner dentist also recognized is that, yes, they've been there a long time. And that also means that they're set in their ways. And so uh, resistance to change came along with that. So in this situation, recognizing that what could be good on one with one aspect can be not so good when you look at the other side of the coin. And so as a as a practice owner, those are the trends that you really need to take a look at. Doing a regular SWOT analysis is something that I absolutely recommend. I would love for you to do that once a year. And I'm going to give you, um, again, the example of the one, and I'll give you the blank um, uh, template that you can use as well. And, and hopefully uh, you can do that on your own. If not, that's something that I can help you do um, via a phone consultation. You can book something on my website. Um, again, I don't do full service consulting. I do more one-offs. Um, so if you just want to chat strategy and, and see um, if you're in the right direction or, or perhaps um, you need maybe a, a third party to look at things, that, that's where I come in. Um, and then if you need help from that point on full consulting, I certainly can provide names of people who are excellent, excellent at what they do. Okay, so let's go on to the sixth piece um, remember, we have seven, so we're almost there. The seventh piece of this and how to prepare for the financial pressures um, is understanding that the financial pressure is not the only thing you're going to feel. There is a an unexpected component of running a practice. And that is when you get to the point where you're ready to phase out or you're bringing on an associate, um, you start to realize that maybe you're not in charge anymore. And that sounds that sounds funny, doesn't it? But when you're an owner dentist and you're bringing on an associate, the goal typically is to either do a, a buy-in um, or to get to the point where the doctor themselves can slow down and step away a little bit. Um, understanding that the associate now is going to get most of the work or we're building them up to take on most of the burden. Well, you start to see that the office slowly changes in response to this associate being there. If they're buying in, the associate has the right to ask for maybe new rules and systems to be implemented um, before they leave. You may have a team who's not ready for this change. Um, there's a lot of emotional components that go in there, but let's just talk internally here. Just you, just you, the owner dentist. Um, this is your baby. This is the one, uh, the one thing that you have crafted and worked on and dedicated years of your life to it. And it, you have it the way you have crafted it. it may not be the way you like it, but it's the way you crafted it. And if it goes in a different direction than where you would have taken it in, you start to, you start to think, wait a second, that's, that's not how I want it. That's, that doesn't feel right. Well, if you have an associate and you're trying to get that associate to stay, well, your feeling of it may not fit right may not be the biggest factor in this decision. It may just be a little piece of it. And and there's an emotional component with that, realizing that you are not necessarily the top, top dog anymore. And it think of it this way. You are, you have a child 
who you know is making mistakes. If any of you have teenagers at home, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We see them making mistakes. They don't want to listen. They don't want to admit it. And a lot of what you have to do is to just try to do or try to give as much guidance as possible and hope that they listen. But if you have uh, if you have an associate on and, and they are really taking over and, and maybe the buyout is almost complete and you're just kind of sitting back and coming in for your you know uh, preset days uh, to work, it's really hard for to watch someone take what you've done and change it, maybe even in your opinion, make it worse. Um, there's an emotional component to that. And so you should be prepared for that. It, it really hits you in the gut. Many dentists that I've talked to who have had this issue, and I know one well-known lecturer in the tech industry who's done this, um, you know, it, it hit him like a, a punch in the gut. He just didn't expect it. And and so that's something that we have to, we have to take into account. Um, it, you really you're there to provide the guidance, right? You're there to provide the guidance because you are the senior doctor, owner doctor. Um, and, and all you can do, it just like having a kid, is give them the advice and and hope, 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 hope that they take it. And then part of that is realizing that your advice may not be the best anymore. That's a hard hit to take as well. There may be recommendations and requests that your new associate makes that are more modern, more progressive. They're more utilizing uh, the electronic capabilities that are out there. Maybe they're more focused on a mobile website than a desktop website. Maybe they're looking to do more chat, whereas you're a big believer in in phone to phone or, you know, over the phone conversation. Um, there's a There's a changing of generations too. And so you may find that this new stuff that you kind of thought was newfangled and never would work, now it's really working. And you start to question, well, gosh, maybe I was wrong all this time. It's not that. It's just that times change. And, you know, change is good. Change is really, really good. There's always something that's that opens up on the other side. Change is good. And we have to go in there with that mindset. Now, here's another piece, the seventh piece. So here's the my, my piece of advice to you when it comes to alleviating some of this pressure. I would love for you to identify what your purpose is and find your purpose. And what I mean by that is that your purpose in your head may be, you may think that your job is your purpose. You are you are here to, to run a great practice and to be a successful dentist. Successful dentist is not a purpose. Serving the community, yes, I can see that. Giving good oral health care to everybody, making sure everybody's healthy, yes, I can see that. But when we identify with our job as our purpose, then when things go really wrong at our job, and eventually it does happen, then our our sense of self is affected. And so I'd really love for you to find a purpose other than your job. Your job is not your purpose. Now, is your purpose to be the best husband, father, wife, mother out there? That's a wonderful purpose. That's a good purpose. But again, does it define you? So your purpose in life, have to, you have to identify that yourself. And again, this is where a business coach, a life coach comes in handy. Um, I, I am definitely one of those people who don't subscribe to the woo-woo um, side of coaching, but I understand that it's helpful and it has helped me. Um, I, I just can't do that all the time. It's just, I'm not wired like that. Maybe you're not, but when I do venture into that area and I do talk about this with my coach, um, 
she brings some really wonderful insight and gets me to think about things differently from a different point of view. And that is what I'm advocating. I want you to look at your life from a different point of view. If your purpose is your business, then I'm going to tell you and challenge you that we need to find a different purpose. And and with that comes a lot of self-introspection. So when you have a whole bunch of emotional pressures and financial pressures coming together, introspection is the last thing on your mind. You're thinking, Teresa, I don't have time to sit around and, and you know, assume lotus position and and do a whole bunch of um and all that kind of stuff. I get it. I have the same mindset, but it really does make a difference. Think of it this way. If you're listening to this on your your ride, your car ride in, you're doing a lot of self-reflection right now because as you hear me talk, you're thinking about these things. So in a way, you're taking that first step in doing that. What I'm asking is for you to just do it on a more regular basis and perhaps have a professional help you with that. Again, business coach or life coach. All right. So I threw a lot out at you. I really did. And, and you know, my podcasts a lot of times are like my courses, just full of information, but also sometimes can be a little overwhelming. I do hear that on my reports, on my surveys. Um, but I, my goal is to bring you the information, give it to you. And, and I love the fact that podcasts now let you go back and re-listen to it. I wish a lot more of my live courses were recorded so that you could um, go back and listen to it. Live courses are different than the online online course that I have. Live courses, sometimes I I hit and go a little bit deeper on things, but uh, you know, the podcast, that's what the podcast is for. And so hopefully you do um, download this this episode and keep it, share it. Um, You know, I'm still trying to grow the podcast. So if you're listening to this and you like what you hear, feel free to share it with your your team members, with with people on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Um, I would love to get this message out and, and other messages about insurance and the industry out to more people and and hopefully you can help me with that. I appreciate that very much. If you have rated me on iTunes or any of the podcast apps, if you've given me a rating, a good rating, (laughs) I very much appreciate it. Um, Very much so. So I just want to give a belated happy birthday shout out to Danielle. Um, I know she's listening. She's one of of the um, people I know who always downloads the podcast. So happy belated birthday, Danielle, um, and hope it was a good one. All right. Until the next episode, uh, enjoy your time with your family and figuring out your purpose in our industry. Subscribe to this podcast so you'll get our next candid discussion. Visit Teresa's website, odysseymgmt.com. That's odysseymgmt.com for more information on Teresa's courses, books, and speaking schedule. Subscribe to her newsletter while you're there. Don't say we didn't tell you that.